informative podcast all about training working dogs look no further than the lwdg pod dog this weekly show is hosted by me joanne perrott founder of the ladies working dog group and i chat to experienced trainers and experts in the field who will give you helpful tips and advice whether you're just getting started or you've been working dogs for years this podcast will have something for you so pull up a chair pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to lwdg pod dog and let us help you build a better bond with your best friend. Hello and welcome to another episode of LWDG Pod Dog. This episode is going to be a very different type of podcast where we're going to be talking to Claire Reese of Wild Spirit Dog Sledding. How are you, Claire? I'm great, thank you. How are you, Joe? Thank you so much for inviting me on here today. I'm really super excited to be talking to you, especially, you know, two Welsh girls. I don't get much Welsh culture where I am at the moment, so it's great i'm always excited so to explain to our listeners where exactly are you right now right i'm in based in sweden so i'm emigrated from wales 11 years ago i up sticks and left wales and emigrated to sweden um to set up a dog sledding company with my now husband he's welsh as well but when we actually moved here, we were a little bit crazy. We actually lived in the mountains, the Swedish mountains. Now, do you remember years ago, uh, the, the book called Heidi? Yes. My favourite book. You know, I always wanted to live in a cabin in the, in the mountains. And guess what? I did it. You know, I followed my dream and that was it. And we lived in a, a little cabin in the Swedish mountains, 850 metres up. Uh, no water, no electricity for the first five years. So basically, you can say I camped out for five years in in the winter, minus 15, minus 20, could be minus 30, um, with just a little bit with a with a fireplace to keep me warm. And that's how we set up our dog sledding business, uh, Wild Spirit Dog Sledding, as you said just now. So it must have been an amazing experience, but what was the the reason that started it? Why did you end up there? Okay, so originally, I always wanted to emigrate, okay? I, you know, Wales is beautiful. We both know Wales is beautiful. Don't get me wrong, I love the country, I love the people, I love it. But every time I went on holidays when I was younger, it was like, yeah, I'm gonna live here. It was always in me, something was in me, a calling to say that I was going to emigrate. Um, so just to up sticks and leave Wales was not like a uh, spur of the moment idea. What happened was Richard, my husband, he was living in Sweden and we'd been working together. Um, then we became friends um, and then we were both married before and then our marriages split up and then we became then we started dating while he was in Sweden, basically, when he moved to Sweden. So he off he asked me over to Sweden on a date. £7.99, Ryanair, very cheap back in those days, <laughs> cheap date. And, um, and I'm a project manager, uh, for, you know, that was my main job in the UK. So to come over to Sweden and project manage this project with him was a no-brainer. My project had come to an end in Wales. I always wanted to emigrate. Um, I'd fallen for this man. So it was a no-brainer. So we were going to set up a bushcraft school, actually. 
but we quickly realized he already had eight huskies. So he brought eight huskies from Wales to Sweden. And then we realized that actually this is the way to go. Another dog sledding company, he was getting rid of his dogs and um, we basically bought that company out. And that's how we actually set up. So it was organic, uh, it organically grew, but Richard, 15, as a lad of 15 years old, you know, he always had working dogs. I always had dogs, you know, my dad always had spaniels and, and working dogs when I was younger. So it was no, you know, it, it was to actually work with dogs. Well, the funny thing was when I actually left, was leaving Wales, all my friends said, you're leaving, you're leaving Wales and eight dogs? That's just crazy, you know? And if you consider the amount of dogs I've got now, which is right now it's 63, you know? <laughs> eight dogs is nothing. But for anybody out there who actually knows, you know, uh, it's like when, once you get one husky, you can't just have one. You have to have two, then three. And it's, it's like a collection thing. The same with working Spaniels, you know, I, you know, you can, I've seen loads of people with like, they, they get like eight or ten working Spaniels, aren't they, you know? Oh, without a doubt, they are very much a collectible item, you know, you <laughs> one. And then literally, if it wasn't for my husband saying there's only so many we can have, like, before my dad passed, we had anywhere between 15 and 30 in the kennels at any one time. There was a purpose to each one, if that makes sense. And that's what it's like for you, isn't it? All 63 yeah. of your dogs do a job. Yes, they've all got their jobs, even from like, uh, you know, the lazy ones there who, who were, you know, and it's, think of a room full of human beings. That's how I say to people, you know, who don't know much about it. Think of a room full of human beings. I've got a room full of huskies here. They've all got their different roles, their different characters, the different way they look, you know. We've got um, dogs that we've got to watch their weight. Dog, you know, they put on a lot of weight quickly. We've got dogs that, you know, they, they underweight. We've got, to, we've got to really watch how they eat and give them double helpings and, you know, and things like that. And that's the same, isn't it, with a room full of people. We've got some idiot dogs, you know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> set to try your patience. We've got some lovable dogs. We've got some uh, the dogs who are hierarchy. We've got some teachers. We've got the we've got the concerned dogs. You know, every dog in our kennel has a role. We've got the old age pensioners. They're quite funny because they can do what the heck they like, you know. <laughs> you think of an old person who's retired they don't give a step do they you've got this kennel of of huskies that are used for sledding yeah now obviously i understand the concept of sledding yeah but i don't know what it takes to do it or or what their job is exactly as in like how far would they travel or things like that so yeah. when you decided to set this up obviously they were your husband your now husband's dogs yeah, yeah. Had you had any experience with the breed at all? No, no. And I have learned so much. If you, if you just imagine, I, I had these eight Huskies and I had no idea. I used to train dogs. I had Spaniels and I trained Spaniels, but to have eight Huskies is completely different. Completely different. It was a huge learning curve. Uh, when I first started, I used to go in the kennel and I'm a soft touch, right? I've got a soft, I'm a nurturing, you know, if you think of me, Richard, if we had children, 
he would I would be the nurturing mother and he would be the playful strict dad you know yeah you can get away with a lot with me and um and the dogs knew that dogs knew it they can actually tell your personality before you know yourself they teach you they taught me so so much I wasn't in charge I didn't go in there with the right with the right personality I went in there with all oh, these small fluffy little beautiful huskies you know wrong wrong attitude and yeah. I remember reading and the one thing I took was you have to be the hierarchy and when you go in a kennel of dogs you think like you think you're Cleopatra right yeah so what I did at this time we had 21 dogs we grew we bought it we had 21 dogs I'm thinking cracky you know I've got to sort myself out by here because I'm not getting this connection there's something wrong and it's it is it's all about you as the owner nothing to do with the dogs you know the way the dogs act is all because of the owner and what I did I spent weeks doing this I took every single dog out for a walk one by one and I walked through the forest with them thinking believing because you have to believe it I am Cleopatra I am in charge of you you know and you know and sometimes they were like no you're not you know they, they pushed me to the limits because if yeah. you don't think like that they are going to take over now every dog it's a pack of dogs they need a leader and they want you to be the leader if they don't if they you haven't earned that respect from them to be that leader they will take control yeah because your dogs like although we say very much when working spaniels um i've got a team of spaniels they are a team but they're not a team that works together they're a team who sit together and then work individually or they they yeah. may work an area together but they don't rely on one another to do yeah. their job they can each do it individually on their own if they were out on their own or with another seven dogs if they're out with those your yeah. huskies they work as a team don't they they have to work as a team and this is what the training is all about in the summertime when they're not on a sled they that we let them loose so they can we can have 20 30 dogs out loose this is where relationships are being built this is where we now if you spend a time with a pack of dogs of this many and you sit back and you can watch and you learn much more by just relaxing and watching than actually from all the books that you read you yeah. learn, they, they are teachers they teach you so much so in the summertime, you're watching them, you, 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 you check, you're looking at, you know, of their personalities, of who they're connecting with, who they're not connecting with. Some don't like to be in, in a big team. They, 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 they will hide behind your legs. You know, there's some, some are in there and they're in the middle and they, they're like the extroverts and all the other dogs surround them. So this is where you can see the dynamics of your team. And then in the winter time, then when they're on the, it's called, I don't know what it's called in English. I only know the Swedish word. How's the Swedish word? It's called a span. So it's when the dogs are out or, or you know, in front of the sled. And you've got like um, four different positions on there. So you've got the lead dogs. Now these are strong, determined, 
um, dogs that want to actually please you, but they are can they have to be independent as well. Because if you think about it, if you're out in the in the mountains, and these dogs are relying one hundred percent on you, they're not relying on their instinct, and they can get you out of trouble. So if you're in a in a storm in the mountains, these dogs can take you home, and that's what you need your lead dog to do. And you've got a brilliant connection. You have to have a brilliant connection with your lead dogs. Um, so you're controlling your dogs just a bit like you are controlling your dogs. There's no hands on. It's all by the connection that you have with your dogs. So you're controlling your dogs from the back, which is not something that we're taught, is it? No. When you 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 normally got your dogs by the side of you. Uh, you're taught, you know, in, in, in like the pet world, then that the dog doesn't pull in front. The dog stands to the side, but our dogs pull. If you see me now, I've got an injured dog in the house and I'm taking her out and people and I'm, you know, people must think of oh, what well, her dog's out of control because she's pulling me like crazy. But that's what I want her to do. I can control her even though she's pulling me. And so they are the lead dogs um, and they are amazing. You know, they are, oh, they, they make you cry. They, you're so proud of them. Then you have the next in the team, which is called a swing dog. They help the lead dogs. So if a, if a lead dog is not quite sure of left or right, and sometimes we'll put a young one in to test it, then the swing dogs will guide it. So if you're training young dogs to be lead dogs, we put an older dog, swing dog behind so they can help that lead dog. Right. Then you've got the middle dogs and they are the team. Um, and... They just, some of these dog, dogs just love to run. But they are rubbish at lead and they're rubbish at a wheel. And I'll tell you about a wheel now. But they just want to be in their team. They just want to run. These dogs, if you've ever, um, they're born to run. And I'll explain about puppy training as well if you want me to. But they just want to run. So you just put them in a team and that's all they want to do and they're happy to do it. Um, now, what we will do sometimes, because sometimes a, a lead dog, will become too much of a hierarchy and start messing us around. So we'll demote them to the team. Right. Yeah. And they don't like that one bit where they get demoted. <laughs> <They're>, what? <laughs> They're so, so intelligent, honestly. You have to be one step ahead of them all the time. All the time. Now, a wheel dog is a big, strong dog. He is at the back. So he's got the sled directly behind him. So he has to be confident. He has to be strong. Um, because if you think about it, you if you're running um, 10 kilometers per, per hour and you've got something behind you that could go into the back of your legs, you need to be confident that you're pulling hard enough so that that doesn't happen. Yeah. And it's actually... I remember going up when I first started, um, I went on a um, like a two-day tour with my husband for the, the first year and uh they 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 passed away now okay it was i had case and i had kenzo as my wheel dogs and then dodge and cooper would be were just in front of them and i was driving the sled and i was absolutely rubbish you know we we're going over bumps and i wasn't controlling my sled but i remember to, i can see it now case looking back at every time as if to say to me you're not doing this right I'm not comfortable with this, you know, 
So I, he taught me how to, over those two or three days how to drive a sled. Because every time he was not happy, I was maybe pulling on him too much. He'd look behind me and he'd say, no, that's not right. Do it a different way, please. You know, <laughs> it was so cool. It was so cool. It, it was just... And you can actually get this relationship when you're out with the dogs on the sled. You you build up this amazing relationship with them um, because you don't have to give any voice commands to connect with your dogs. You know, you can actually, you know, through you think about it when you have a dog on a lead. Right. And you've got a nervous person with a dog on the lead. They don't say anything, but they see another dog coming towards them. That dog on the lead will know you're nervous and start yeah. barking and start getting, start barking, start becoming angry, you know, and showing its teeth because you're nervous. And it's the same with the sled. You know, those dogs, when we have tourists, uh, you know, sometimes we have tourists who are like, oh, but I think I'm going to hurt the dogs. I'm like, no, you, they know that. You've got to treat them as if you're not going to hurt them, they, they, they were fine. They're absolutely fine. We had a girl years ago. It was so funny. Now, we start off with one person. We normally give them four. She, ha she had to go down to three. <laughs> she had to go down to three dogs. And she was just let, I think she had, I can't remember if she had three males. But anyway, she was letting them pee at any time that they wanted to. You know, a male dog will pee anywhere, but then everywhere. Yeah. They knew. Coming back at the end of the tour, that's all I heard. And I was waiting at the top of the hill. I seen Kenzo. He ran past me. He got loose. And I was like, okay, he's home. And then I could hear this girl screaming, help, help. Well, what had happened was because she'd let them pee so much, they'd wrapped themselves around a tree. Kenzo got loose and came home. He'd had enough. <laughs> he got out of his harness and he'd run home. He was like, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> but, that, you know, they, 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 just, they just know. They just know that you're meth, you know, the way you are actually feeling. Um, and they'll mess you around. Any sign of weakness. If you're in a bad mood, any sign of weakness, curtains. You know, you've just yeah. got to go in there. And, and that's one thing they taught me. Taught me patience. A lot of patience. <laughs> and they taught me to deal with my emotions. Because if I'm going down that kennel, if I'm going on a tour in a bad mood, I'll have a bad tour. Because the dogs know. One of the things they're incredibly good at is either using your emotions against you Yes. Or working with your emotions, like you say, if you act yeah. like the parent figure, get, yeah. provide that guidance, provide that that way forward. Yeah, it's it's very easy for them then to know what you want, which I think is quite lost a little bit in today's pet world. This oh. thing of wanting to be the the dog's best buddy, but not its parent. You need yeah. to be both don't you you can be best friends with your dog but you still need to provide guidance without guidance they are lost joe we've got dogs on the sofa we have got dogs in the bed i've got a i've got a dog home right now she's got an injury i woke up this morning and i'm on the corner of the bed she's in the middle of me and my husband you know but she's a dog yeah you know and she knows the rules and she knows what we expect from her. And 
that that and you are right you know it's that they're not children they're not humans dogs are 95 or animals are 95 percent instinct you know when when you sort of grown from eight to, to to more and then to more and then to 63 what's that like now because like you've got these teams of like where you where you can split them up you can say you're a team of four or you're a team of eight but the 63 yeah. of you and we're going to mix match you how does all that work is that your understanding and knowledge of each dog deciding who goes with who it's tried and tested every time it tried and tested so this is what the training season is for so sometimes we've got we have two dogs in each kennel um we found that when you have you can in in sweden there's a law and you have to have a certain size kennel for a certain amount of dogs um so we did try with four dogs in each kennel but the, you know huskies um when they fight they fight there's, there's a huge fight so when you have four dogs in one kennel it's never fair it's never two on two it's three on one and that's yeah. not fair so we just when we rebuilt this kennel we had two dogs so it's 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 two dogs in each kennel now some dogs who actually live together can't work together so that's what we use the training season for um because we can try and test them and sometimes dogs from last year they'll surprise us we're like oh we'll try them in the lead that dogs you it's about watching your dogs and knowing your dogs because sometimes we're like hang on that dog we just said we say venster for left and höger for right so it's the swedish left and right so you'll say venster and you think hang on that team dog just went left before the the lead dog hmm, let's try that dog in the front and they'll surprise you because the dogs will learn from each other yeah you know and so that's what the training season is all about to figure out where the dogs will fit for this year so they've got the summer where they where they bond in as a team and then they've got the training season then where you can figure out where they are going to go um in the in the team so we have like so many wheel dogs so many team dogs so many um lead dogs as well so for you you talk about like a, a training season and then like a sledding season how do your seasons work so how they work is that the training season starts now in autumn time. So we do that on a wheel cart um, because we haven't got no snow. Um, so that will start as soon as the temperatures start to go down. You will be able to tell because the energy levels of the dogs go up as well. So, OK, now it's time that we start, you know, we, we start to train. And we've got to be a bit careful because it's the hunting season as well. And we can't clash with the hunters. So... Um, this is where and then when the snow comes then which is normally november time that's when we can get the dogs out onto the mountains then and we can use the sleds that will last then normally that will go on until after easter so it's right. like it's normally easter sunday and then everything stops the phone call stops the tourist season stops now, how it works as well is that we do the shorter tours during December because we're building up the dog's fitnesses. And because we've got um, only four hours of daylight, then we can only do so shorter tours. So the dogs are building up. They've already keep their fitness through the summer, but they, they're getting the strength and the fitness back. And then we progress then on and on then uh, to the longer tours. Now, we're tourists. 
with tourism season. So our dogs will do uh, in a day can do um, 30 to 40 kilometers. Okay, that's not really that much compared to these dogs because when they're actually um, uh, racing, they can you can they can do 100 kilometers in a day. What happens with them is the more you train them, just like anybody, the fitter they get, the more they want. You think, right? It's hilarious. You think, oh yeah, giving them a good run today, put them back in the kennel. They're going to sit there, give them their food. And they're just going to be relaxed. Oh, no, the Alaskan Huskies, because we've got Siberian Huskies and Alaskan Huskies. They're just like, yeah, OK, I've had my little rest. Let's go. Are you going to go do some more? So they they will run and run. The Alaskan Huskies will give you 100 percent work, 100 percent. They they can have an injury and they still want to work. You know, now. The Siberian Huskies will give you 80%. They're a little bit wiser. You know, they, they will, they will, um, and that's why they use more Alaskan Huskies these days for racing because they want to keep going. The Siberian Huskies are a lot slower, a bit calm, a bit calmer. And um, but they'll give you 80%, you know, and they reserve their energy. Isn't it um, mad though when you think, like, as you're talking to me now about like distances and their behaviours and their, and their teamwork and their pack work and then i can understand and i in no way do i blame people ending up in houses with huskies because if you don't know what you don't know you might have got a breed and not really understood whatsoever what characteristics you were taking on yeah when i'm talking to you and we're speaking i'm thinking it must be even harder for a husky to live in a house like on its own pet yeah, I agree with that. It depends, though. It can depend. We have rehomed dogs, um, and, and I'm very, 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 very careful of who our dogs go to. But we have rehomed a, um, a husky, and we're like, this dog doesn't want to bother with anybody else. It just wants, mm -hmm. wants to be on the sofa in front of the mm -hmm. fire, you know? And there can be some like that. There can be mostly the siberian huskies right right uh, the alaskan huskies no it's always an active home but also they they do need and this is a huge thing they do need to live outdoors they because their fur are, is so thick right they, they you normally see a, a dog who is, an, is a house dog, a house husky, is overweight because they've got no way to expel its energy because it lives indoors. It doesn't have to expel any of its energies. So it, it, they need to be outdoors. And if you see them panting, the huskies I've got, I've got home right now, right? My flipping bedroom doors, windows open in the night because she's panting like crazy, you know? And... Um, but that's the way that they actually um, maintain their weight is yeah. by them being outdoors. They're doing their job and they're living out, outdoors as well. Like our huskies, they've got an insulated, um, uh, it's called a hunkoya, like a doghouse. Yeah. Um, it's insulated, you know, and uh, you go down there and they're on top of their, their, their insulated house. Yeah. So do they... 
do they obviously like dogs shed from different seasons oh. you know huskies like every time i see a husky it always looks fluffy is it ever not fluffy it's it's so funny right honestly it's like during shed i think they shed like twice a year right and um, i won't have them home with shed at the time honestly mm. it's like buy one get one free but what happens after winter time when they shed their hair and because of our dogs are working dogs they're in a kennel but they they just look they just look like a, a basket case you know they just <laughs> they look terrible to do it during shedding season but no they're not always fluffy and sometimes if i haven't been down the kennel for, for quite some time my husband goes down there every single day if i haven't gone down there I'm like what the heck is that and he's like that's so and so because they've shed and they look completely different yeah but no they're not always fluffy they do lose their fur especially the siberians the alaskans not so much so with regards to your um using your huskies for tourism can people like take do they take out a sled on their own is there a pre like is there a set path for dogs almost like riding school where the dog knows exactly where it's going because it does the path over and over yeah but they won't take the dogs out on their own because there's so many other issues that underlying issues that we've got to think about so when um like these dogs are used to tourism just like horse riding like you said but um they everybody will get a course okay because when people come to us they think oh these beautiful fluffy doggies you know and they have a course um but also what we do we've got a guide in front and then we've got a snow scooter on the tour as well right so there's a lot of bits and pieces of ropes and things like that to help guide the dog um so our guide on the snow scooter can watch for any issues so it's not just getting on a sled and those dogs you know taking off and um, there's a lot of other things you've got to think about you know it's it's like there's a break but not always the dogs will stop when you use that break um some people will slow the dogs down because they want speed and um because they it's interesting you know and we get really annoyed with this it's interesting how many people will come oh well that wasn't fast enough and i'm like they're animals i'm sorry but it's all about the connection with the animals and what they are doing for you because they're working blooming hard for you even though they love it i said so you need to re respect that you know all this uh well we don't mince our words <laughs> Our dogs will always come first, you know, so we don't mince our words. So it's not about the speed. It's all we, we keep it as quite slow so that people so the people are safe and the dogs are safe as well. And the priority is the dog. So we have a snow scooter on tour as well. If there's any issues, there's so many things that we have to think about and you can't plan every single day. It's all about thinking on your feet. It's fascinating. My, my husband runs an activity centre. And, but he used to work in a quad bike centre and it was a 300 acre farm in Cowfilly, so you'll know where it is. And people would come there to ride the quad bikes and that's all they'd say is, normally men and normally of a certain age would be like, I want to go faster, I want to go faster. Yeah. And they would, half of his day would be trying to stop people from hurting themselves because they've got no concept of what that speed entails 
and yeah. what it takes to control at speed and what happens if you have an accident at speed but you know you're so frustrated with him and with yourselves it's probably far worse because not only do they want to go speed but if they break in something they're breaking your dog who oh. you have a connection with you know it's bad enough if you, i suppose if you break a quad bike but parts can be replaced dogs yeah. cannot yes exactly so we don't mince our words we and we have had to say on like we've been doing this for 10 11 years we've had to say on two occasions carry on doing that and you're getting off the sled and you're walking home and i don't give a stuff you left in the mountains you're not doing that to our dogs because what they do is they try and slow it the whole team down and then when there's a huge gap with the team in front because there's no overtaking we don't allow overtaking and when there's a big enough gap then they let the dogs run now they don't know that there's a hill they don't know the area so when the dogs go down the hill, you imagine that sled's going down double speed if you take yeah. your foot off the brake. That doesn't happen. We, we, you know, you don't do that. So uh, I think on two occasions, I think my husband's lost his cool on two occasions. <laughs> but, you know, he's not, he's not somebody you mess around with anyway, and people know that. So, um, yeah, it, it, is, it is quite frustrating. And, and it's to understand, and this is why I try and explain to people, you know, it's like you have to learn how to drive the sled and understand the connection with the dogs so the dogs want to work for you and with you before you can pick up the speed and that yeah. takes a long time it's not it's not a two-hour tour no and one thing i can't stand is when people get off the sled and they don't stroke the dogs afterwards I'm like the dog. Do you want to say thank you? <laughs> so for anyone who's listened to the podcast today and they're thinking, oh, I wouldn't mind like going out and seeing this or taking part in this or yeah. or finding out more. How do they get hold of you? You know, what what is the the process of coming out to you and trying dog sledding? It's it's easy. You just have to. You you can just Google actually Claire Reese Sweden and you'll find me. Um, or it's wildspirit.se and that's our web page but Claire Reese Sweden um, on any social media you, you'll find me um, and if you put dog sled in Welsh couple Sweden <laughs> you'll find us <laughs> I, I now and again I google my name and it's yeah there's it, a lot of information on there and my husband Richard Reese as well so um so yeah, do people definitely. come out and stay with you or do they stay locally and then they just come to you for the day? How does that work? No, well, we have a little tourist village. Um, and what I do as well is I run, um, I got like a website where people can go on and they can book cabins. So beautiful little cabins in the Swedish mountains. So they can book a, a cabin there. We also live 30 minutes from Sweden's largest ski slope. Um, it's a place called Aura. Um, so it's a it's an amazing sort of um, um, a skiing area, downhill skiing. What's great about our area is that um, I'm not into big tourists. I, you know, I don't like being in amongst hundreds of people. With 30 minutes from that, with the with the dogs with the downhill skiing. But in our village, then we've got the dog sledding, the cross country ski, and the little cabins. We've got the frozen lake. They can go ice fishing um, at the beginning of the winter season, ice skating. Uh, you can go fishing by boat. There's all these little 
mountain walking, cycling. There's so many activities that you can actually do in our village, but it's not like high tourism. It's one shop, right. <laughs> one petrol pump, you know. <laughs> well, thank you very much for doing the podcast with us today. It has been absolutely fascinating. I've learned loads about Huskies and you know, it is really nice to see how dogs work in, in other areas, not just gun dogs, but dogs doing different yeah. things. If anybody wants to contact you, they can contact you on your website, as you've said. Um, is there anything else you want to sort of share with us before we end the podcast? We did do um, a show called Escape to the Wild with Kevin McLeod a few years ago. So that's out, out there. It's called Escape to the Wild. Um, so that's how you see how we started off our life, living in a cabin. So that, that's quite interesting. But I, yeah, I do want to share something. It's like follow your dreams. There's a lot of people out there who wish they done things we upstick we left wales to sweden we had eight huskies we had two grand in our bank account um and boy have we got a story to tell like we what have we done it's 45 minutes i think i don't know how long we've been talking but um you know and this is just the tip of the iceberg what i told you joe just the tip of the iceberg you know so it's follow your dreams and what i say is that a dream will always remain a dream unless you write it down. And when you write it down, it becomes a plan. And then once you start planning, you can then implement that plan and your dreams will become reality. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for giving us your time this morning. Um, if anybody wants to find clear, I'm going to put some links in the show notes and on the website. I'll also see if I can find the episode you just referred to and see if I can put a link on that so that we can see some video of, of you and your dogs too. Thank you all for listening. I hope you've enjoyed and we look forward to speaking to you all next week. Thank you for listening to LWDG Poddog with me, Joe Parrott. Now we all know training a dog takes time, energy and patience, but our lives can be really, really busy. Don't worry, the LWDG has got you covered. Join us for our free planning workshop where we'll show you how to use short 10 minute training sessions each day to fast forward your dog's education. Our experts have years of experience in training dogs and will help you get started on the right foot. Register now and start making progress with your furry friend today. Go to our Facebook page, The Ladies Working Dog Group and click on the pinned post or visit www.thelwdg.com.